Chapter Twenty Five of the Road to Understanding. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Road to Understanding by Eleanor H. Porter. Chapter Twenty Five Enigmas not until burke denby became convinced that miss elizabeth darling was not his daughter did he realize how deeply the thought that she might be had taken hold of his very life how closely entwined in his affections she had become from the first minute the electrifying idea of her possible relationship had come to him he had in spite of his determination to the contrary reveled in pictures of what his home would be with a daughter like that to love and to love him helen too was in the pictures true a vague shadowy helen yet a helen idealized and glorified by the remorseful repentance born of a bunch of worn little diaries and then to have the beautiful vision shattered by one word from the girl's own lips and just when he had attained the pinnacle of joyous conviction that she was indeed his little girl of the long ago it seemed as though he could not bear it and most anguishing of all there was no chance that there was a mistake even if the incongruity of her description of her father as applied to himself could be explained away there was yet the insurmountable left with his own ears he had heard her say that her father was dead had been dead for many years that settled it of course there could be no mistake about death after the first stunning force of the disappointment there came to burke denby the reaction in the case of burke denby a characteristic reaction it became evident to some extent the very next day for the first time in weeks he did not work with his secretary over the cataloguing at all during the day he dictated his letters, then left at once for his office at the works. At luncheon he relapsed into his old, stern silence, and in the afternoon, beyond giving a few crisp directions, he showed no interest in Betty's work, absenting himself most of the time from the room. Yet not in the least was all this consciously planned on his part. He felt simply an aversion to being with this girl even the sight of a bright head bent over her work gave him a pang the sound of her voice brought bitterness above all he dreaded a glance from her eyes helen's eyes that had lured him for a brief twenty-four hours into a fool's paradise of thinking they might indeed be helen's eyes burke was grievously disappointed ashamed and angry and being accustomed always to acting exactly as he felt he acted now as he felt he was grievously disappointed that his brief dream of a daughter in his home should have come to naught he was ashamed that he should have allowed himself to be deluded into such a dream and angry that the thing had stirred him so that he could be so stirred by the failure of so absurd and preposterous a supposition to materialize into fact as the days passed matters became worse rather than better added to his disappointment and chagrin there came to be an unreasoning wrath 
that this girl was not his daughter together with a rebellion at his lonely life and an overmastering self-pity that he should be so abused of fate it was then that he began systematically to avoid so far as was possible being with the girl at all save for the necessary dictation and instructions this was the more easily accomplished as the cataloguing now had almost arrived at the stage where it was a mere matter of copying and tabulating the mass of material already carefully numbered to correspond with the equally carefully numbered curios in the cabinets in spite of it all however burke denby knew in his heart that he was becoming more and more fond of this young girl more and more interested in her welfare more and more restless and dissatisfied when not in her presence more and more poignantly longing to make her his daughter by adoption now that it was settled beyond the question that she was not his by the ties of flesh and blood outwardly however he remained the stern unsmiling man silent morose and anything but delightful as a daily companion to betty he had become the unsolvable enigma that this most unhappy change should have been brought about by the breaking of the venetian tear vase she could not believe valuable and highly treasured as it was yet as she looked back the change seemed to have dated from the moment of the vases shattering on the library floor the day after christmas at first she had supposed the man's sudden reversion to gloom and silence was a mere whim of the mind or a passing distemper of the body but when day after day brought no light to his eye no smile to his lip no elasticity to his step she became seriously disturbed particularly as she could not help noticing that he no longer worked with her that he no longer in fact seemed to want to remain in the library even to hear her read to him she was sorely troubled not only did she miss the pleasure and stimulus of his presence and interest in the work but she feared lest in some way she had disappointed or offended him she began to question herself and to examine critically her work she could find nothing her work had been well done she knew that there was absolutely no excuse for this sudden taciturn aloofness on his part after all it was probably nothing more than what might be expected of him a going back to his usual self without doubt the strange thing was not that he was stern and silent and morose now but that for a brief golden period he had come out of his shell and acted like a human being doubtless it was under the sway of his interest in his curios and his first delight at seeing them being brought into something like order that he had for a moment as it were stirred into something really human and his going back to his original sour unpleasantness now was merely a reversion to first principles that it should be so vexed betty not a little and when they were having such a good time surely for a man that could be so altogether charming and delightful to be habitually so extremely undesirable and disagreeable was most exasperating and he had been such good company how kind he had been too when she had told him so much of her own life and home how interested he had shown himself to be in every little detail 
just as if he really cared. And now? With a tense biting of her lip, Betty reproached herself bitterly for being so free to tell of her own small affairs. She ought to have known that any interest a man like that could show was bound to be superficial and insincere. What a pity she should lose for once her reserve. Well, at least she had learned her lesson. Never again would she be guilty of making a confidant of Mr. Burke Denby, no matter how suave and human-like he might elect to become for some other brief week in the future. To her mother, Betty said very little of all this. True, at the first, in her surprise at the remarkable change in her employer's attitude, she had told her mother of his reversion to gloom and sternness. But it had seemed to worry and disturb her mother so much that Betty had stopped at once. And always since then she had avoided speaking of his continued disagreeableness and skillfully evaded answering pertinent questions. She told herself that she realized, of course, it was because her mother was so fearful that something would happen to this fine position with the generous pay should be lost. Dear mother, who thought she was hiding so shrewdly the fact of how poor they were. There was something else that Betty did not tell her mother also, and that was of her first peculiar and annoying experience with the woman at the newsstand at the station. It was about two weeks after Christmas that Betty had first seen the woman. Mr. Denby had asked her to go around by the station on her way home and purchase for him the December issue of Research. He said it was not a very popular magazine, and that the woman was one of the few agents in town who kept it for sale. There was an article on Babylonian tablets in the December number, and he wished to see it. The station was not very far from her home, and Betty was glad to do the errand, of course. But when she arrived at the newsstand, she found a most offensive person who annoyed her with questions. A large woman with unpleasantly prominent eyes and a wart on her chin. "'Yes, miss, I've got the magazine right here,' she said with alacrity, in reply to Betty's request. "'But say, hain't I seen you before somewheres?' Betty shook her head. "'I don't think so,' she smiled. "'At least I do not remember seeing you anywhere.' "'Well, don't you come here often to the station or something?' persisted the woman. "'No, I've never been here before except the day I arrived in town last September.' "'Hm. Funny,' frowned the woman musingly. I'm a great case for faces, and I don't very often make a mistake. I could swear I seen you somewheres. Betty smiled and shook her head again as she turned away with her magazine. Twice after that Mr. Denby had sent her to this same newsstand for a desired periodical, and on both occasions the woman had been cheerfully insistent in her questions and in her reiterations that somewhere she certainly had seen her as she never made mistakes in faces. "'And you're working for Burke Denby on the hill, ain't you?' she asked at last. Betty colored. "'I am working for Mr. Denby, yes.' "'Hm. Like him?' "'If you'll give me my change, please,' requested Betty then, the flush deepening on her cheeks. "'I am in some haste.' The woman laughed none too pleasantly. "'You don't want to answer, and I ain't saying I wonder,' she chuckled. "'He's a queer bug, ain't no mistake.' and I don't wonder you don't like him. 
on the contrary i like him very much flashed betty hurriedly catching up her magazine and almost snatching the coins from the woman's hand in her haste to be away betty had not told her mother of these encounters more and more plainly betty was seeing how keenly averse to meeting people her mother was and how evasive she was in her answers to the questions the market men sometimes put to her instinctively betty felt that these questions of the newsstand woman would distress her mother very much so betty kept them carefully to herself the conviction that her mother was fearful of meeting old friends in dalton was growing on betty these days and it disturbed her greatly moreover she did not like a certain growing restless nervousness in her mother's manner nor did she like the increasing pallor of her mother's cheek something somewhere was wrong of this betty became more and more strongly convinced nor did a little episode that took place late in january tend to weaken this belief they had gone to market betty and her mother lured by an attractive ad they had gone farther from home than usual and were in a store not often visited by them they had given their order and turned to go when suddenly betty found herself whisked about by her mother's frantic clutch on her arm and led swiftly quite across the store to the opposite door there still impelled by their unyielding clutch on her arm she found herself dodging in and out of the throngs of customers on their way to the street outside even there their pace did not slacken until they were well around the corner of the block why mother panted betty then laughing i should think you were running away from all the plagues of egypt i-i was worse than the plagues of egypt laughed her mother a bit hysterically why mother cried betty growing suddenly alert and anxious there there dear it was nothing never mind declared her mother but even as she spoke she looked back fearfully over her shoulder but mother what was it nothing just 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 a woman i didn't want to see i used to know her years ago and she was such a talker we wouldn't have got home tonight. but we shan't now if we keep on this way laughed betty uneasily her troubled eyes on her mother's face we're going in quite the opposite direction from home dear dear so we are we must have turned the wrong way when we came out from the store yes we did agreed betty her words were light but the troubled look had not left her eyes End of chapter 25